Todd Narek Raw. Here's some tidbits that we had that we thought you might find enjoyable. This is before or after the show. There might be some more background noise than you typically hear. Extra conversations that would have been on the cutting room floor. Take them as they are. Here you go. Yeah, why do we call it unplugged? <laughs> like the old MTV acoustic version. Hello and welcome to the Toddcast. I've got Eric with me for Chip Talk Part 2. Oh yeah. Yeah, Eric. No, we... we... Well, you know, we talked a little bit about ruffles and dips and, and all types of great stuff on the last edition. And we had a lot of people really call in and say, all right, you forgot some really vital. It's totally different, totally different type of chip. And that's the uh, tortillas exactly. uh, or the nacho chip, as one would call it. And um, in general, I'm a big fan. So I, I figured, Todd, let's hear your thoughts on the nacho. Here's I want your take on this controversy. Mm-hmm. Do you do you do you prefer the triangular shape, the round shape, or like just the the sort of odd natural shape you get when you're actually like in a Mexican restaurant? What what's your what's your preferred preferred tortilla shape? Well, I will go with the write-in vote, and I'll say the scoops. I, you know, the... <laughs> right right after I listed those off, I'm like, I totally forgot scoops, and he's absolutely going to jump in with scoops because that's how Eric rolls, and you're not uh, wrong. That's that's yes, legit. So... So I do think, um, I, I, I mean, I think if I had to rank an order, I mean, scoops are my favorite, but I do feel like they're kind of cheated. That's not, you know, that was a great invention <laughs> and a great yeah. patent for them. Oh yeah. Uh, I think the triangle ones are, are, are consistent and good and they're better. I think for the actual scooping of dips and, and so forth, circles are probably easier if you just want to eat alone. You know, like I, that's my job is I just want to eat the chip and I don't want any type of dip action. Right. Um, and I the authentic nature of the, you know, randomness and the random shape. Uh, but and it's difficult because they're all kind of like I eat those when they're prepared and fresh. So they do right. have a different like they have a different feel. Yeah. So what's your yeah, yeah. thoughts? I mean, if if you're if you looked at me and said, Todd, any any tortilla you want, we can we can put in front of you with any sort of dip that you want. Um, I think fresh Mexican restaurant ones take top notch. Like that's like, that's, that's just a nice thing when you go to the Mexican restaurant and you've got that endless supply of, of nachos happening. Um, if you're talking a more commercially available at home situation, um, see the scoops are kind of wasted on me because like, if you're not whereas, scooping, well, yeah, most, <laughs> you know, most people when they go into salsa, they're scooping because they're all about the, you know, chunks of onions and tomatoes and whatever. I don't my 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 dip style for for any salsa is like a straight up and down dunk into it to where like all mm. that really gets on the chip is like the juice. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> so scoops mm. are kind of wasted on me. You kind of like dip your toe. No, where I'm kind of kind of going in. That's interesting. Yeah, the scoops would be a waste for you. And, and well, I will tell and you the scoops are no good I'll, without the dip. So they're, well, no, they're... no, scoops, scoops. Well, and here's the other thing. Like, there have been times where I've gotten like the the can of like the this the semi liquid like nacho cheese situation. Yeah, sure. Now that's where scoops come into play. That's where scoops okay. shine for me because yeah. I can just drink that stuff with a straw. Well, um, I think that's on the not, back half. Of that's the not socially we'll talk acceptable. About the dips. Yeah, no, yeah. no, no, no. It's not socially acceptable. No, that there's a lot to be said about these chips. Um, yeah. So much that we we will. All right temper off a little bit and I'll slow down. Yes. Make sure that yes. we have Pace lost yourself. everyone. 
yes. lost everyone. All right. And now we're <laughs> back to, all right, Todd. So uh, part two of what we're talking about here, the, uh, if you haven't listened to chips, part one, probably about four or five minutes in, then, uh, then you either should or shouldn't, but the rest of this conversation will make a little bit more sense. Todd, where we left off was we were just talking about our uh, lovely fantasy football in general and That's how right. you are going to be joining a league for the first time. And this secretive uh, undercover underground league is taking form. That's right. And I mentioned Christmas Day, so to speak, which is our draft day, which is yes. one of the most important moments of a fantasy football league so what is your general uh like what do you know anything about the draft have i i mean i've obviously talked to you before about it but without going into deep or you know so so here's general thoughts right now yeah so here here's what i know about the draft i know it relates to fantasy football obviously i know that at least in your i don't know that this is universal for all people who do fantasy football but i know that you and your group uh, you have described it to me as sort of the sports dude version of a baby shower where you all get together and there are events yeah. and food yeah. and, and that sort of a thing, which has a certain appeal to me. I'm not going to lie. Um, yeah. And I've seen people at like sports bars or whatever that show up with, you know, reams mm-hmm. of paper and, and laptops and their spreadsheets and all sorts of math that seems to go into it. And but from a realistic standpoint, all that I really know is that, OK, you all get together. And you draft players like for each of your positions so that you form your teams. I don't know how you determine who gets who or what sort of lists you're pulling from or what like that's it. Like that's all I know. Okay. I know that y'all get together and have a good time picking teams by some arcane method that I don't understand or know about. Okay. So we can talk about a little bit of that, but I did kind of. I don't know if there's an equivalent because part of my brain exercise in which I really kind of find fun too is to try to find the equivalent nature of what fantasy football is to D and D. Right. I mean, so I, assume, I, can, I assume it's like everybody getting together for what we call session zero, which is everybody gets together and talks about, okay, this is what the campaign is going to be like this. You know, this is what, this is the kind of character that I want and what kind of character you want and how they're going to, you know, play together. Cause if everybody shows up and, Oh, we're all going to be barbarians. That is that is one kind of game as opposed to a bunch of people getting together. Oh, I'm going to play a wizard. I'm going to be a fighter. I'm going to be a cleric. Like it's the get together to figure out how it's going to go to kick things off and you roll up your characters and get all that sorted out. And then the next time is when you actually start playing. I figure the draft is kind of like that. Right. Yeah, I kind of like it. And it might it, from now on the draft uh, in, in chip terms will be um, franchise zero. As, okay. As there you go. As that now we have deemed. If you call it session zero, let's just take it to the yeah. franchise level. So like you are kind of correct. Now I think there might be differences. Let me ask you this: When it comes to the session zero, is that do you find that one of the most enjoyable sessions of the year, or is that just necessary? That's a tricky question for me because my groups tend to not do an official session zero because we've okay. played we've played together enough and we talk enough just in mer- various side conversations that if one of us is going to start up a new campaign we kind of know what the tone and feel is and we okay. kind of just generally bounce around here's what i'm thinking here's why I like you know other groups as particularly groups that aren't like inherently tight-knit friends like if you're going to meet up with a a brand new group of people to play with session zero is super important to like establish boundaries and so that everyone is kind of showing up to play the same kind of game um 
So, eh, not a direct parallel for me, but I can see how that would be for some others. Okay. Well, so the draft for most cases, and in, in, in most people's scenarios, is the most fun. And leading up to the draft is is usually where it all comes. Like you would think that the Super Bowl would be at the end of the year, but in me- many cases, you get the itch for fantasy football around July, August, when when they they you know the draft, the actual NFL draft, typically gets people excited because there's new players and they're on different teams and, and so forth. Then they have this free agency where people try you know go to different teams for different money and so forth. And then you start getting these. Back in the day, there'd be the fantasy football magazines that come out with the initial ranks of where people think they should be selected, this and that. So the okay. fantasy football fans start getting excited, and then they start calling each other and texting back and forth. Did you see this news? Blah blah blah. And you get excited because that, and it all works up to the draft. Okay. And like you said, we all get together and, you know, many people do drafts online where it's just simply everybody gets in a chat room, so to speak. And there's an app that allows you to go back and forth and pick players and they have lists built in and you can do all this and you have to hit certain requirements, so forth. Ours were, I mean, from day one, we always met in person and a lot of times we'd buy like a giant uh, ream of paper and put it across the room and we had, we grid it out. So we, you know, there'd be grids, there'd be 10 slots going down for the 10 team names and let's say 25 rounds of this is round one, round two. And then we'd go up and it'd almost be like you select a person and, and uh, franchise 10, Justin Benline would be like the MC and he'd write the name in and, okay. and, and then it would go to the next and so forth. So we'd have it and it would take our, our specific, you know, some of them take an hour, some of them take two hours, and, and, and they could even take longer, shorter based on the proficiency of the actual players, you know. Um, so the, the atmosphere was always key because we'd have tables set up, and we, I think we did it in our, our houses maybe the first couple times, but we would start renting, you know, actual uh, spaces. So for the longest time, we rented the Martin's Ferry room. Martin's Ferry room in the Wendy's in Ferry. Yeah, I remember you talking about that. So we set it up. So, But it was like a big deal to people. Be like, they. It felt like you were actually going to like a work conference. And you would come with your book and your binder. And you would ha- we'd have, everybody would have their own table. And we'd have a, you know, a little buffet in the back and, and drinks and stuff. <laughs> you know, like, and, and we yeah. had actual, and we'd hand everybody an official booklet that, that had the rules, had the schedules, had, you know, a, a general listing if they didn't bring their own stuff but most people would come and they'd have their own lists and they'd have their own magazines and they have all this and it was just you know it was a gathering point and then for the next several hours you basically as males do razz each other the entire time especially just oh, yeah. mine who's the mc who hates it anyway so like if he misspelled someone's name or we would purposely uh say the names with the incorrect like syllables or, or vowels and stuff to, to right. say, just to mess with him you know and then oh. we you know if somebody yeah. took too long we'd be making fun of him or if that player was already selected earlier and somebody said it you know you would just get you know you'd get roasted and it was oh, yeah. just you know and as time grew you created this friendship group where everybody knew that, you know, you knew what you were going to say to pick on people. It was almost become like a little roast, you know, okay. to the point where like, you, and you then got to the point you knew what their tendencies were and you knew like, you knew how to kind of cock block and dick people over because they're going to want this player because you just know over their strategies. And then you do it just to piss them off. Sometimes it just became a <laughs> wonderful little game of a little troll know, fest, just like you like it. Well, of course, of course. So that, and I mean, so 
you know, and as time grew, we had one draft, two hours to the point where finally we started, you know, we got uh, a, a conference room at the mall and it was like a six hour event. And then, oh, really? Then, oh, yeah. And then as time grew, we got to the point where, all right, we have enough meeting spaces in someone's house and basement that we now have technology. So we have, you know, proper Wi-Fi, big TV, and then we have the technology where you can draft on your computer and it can show up there and we have sound effects and this and that. So it, it became a huge, huge ordeal from a, just the general festivities. And everyone loved, and that was the Mecca. That was the thing that was like, this is the culmination, like the biggest moment. And from there, right. kind of goes downhill. <laughs> like that that is the most fun because you get everybody together in a room and we you know and you talk and weeks leading up to it's about creating strategies and so forth so that right. is the draft now nowadays um with the invent of zoom and this people understanding like you don't all have to be in a room we would normally try to keep it to the point where only we would only invite people that actually could physically be there because okay. of that atmosphere and so forth where i don't think it's necessary anymore like you can still like I feel like if I'm zooming with somebody, I'm still kind of there with them. We're back in the well, day I think, so foreign. Well, yeah, I think due to COVID and so much Zoom happening and people adapting to, oh, this is this is the new social hour. Is us all hanging out on Zoom doing a thing? Mm-hmm. It, it 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 it's more. I don't know if acceptable is the right word. It's it's more. We've become more accustomed to it. It's more normalized. So yeah. yeah, I can see that. So that so we're gonna have a hybrid now with our situation. We'll have a TV okay. and the, and you can draft online. So I mean, like I don't have to hand out these sheets and books. And I'm not. I used to send out formal invites to the draft. You know, which I required <laughs> you to RSVP. You know, and like pay ahead and stuff like that. It's just you know. So times have changed, but of course now this is more speakeasy, um, in which like you don't even know. We won't even talk to you about it unless you mutter one of the secret terms you know, right. which there's a database that we have so okay. um so when it comes down to it todd the draft is strategy and just like you're forming your character and you're forming your campaign and how you think this game's going to go and how you're going to play like you said if it's all barbarians you know it's going to be a certain gameplay when you're right. drafting from a, a league standpoint most teams are pretty even Right. You don't leave a draft and you usually can look at it and say, well, this person might have an upper edge because we think these players are better than these players. But for the most part, people leave and they like their team and or they think we're all on an even playing field. and We all have just as much chance of success. Um, We know that's not true. And we because, you know, obviously at the end of the day, we don't know how these players are really going to go. But a lot of it comes down to the strategy you're building. You know, you're building a very heavy, you know, team that's relying on your quarterback or your your really depth heavy or you know you, different strategies. So I think the draft itself is where you determine what your strategy is for the year. Uh, sometimes the strategy has to come to you based off of who's on the board and so forth, and you have to pivot and adapt based off of uh, supply and demand. And sometimes you go in there with a ridiculous strategy. Uh, Typically, that that lends itself to myself. I do some things like that that are completely off the wall. Um, <laughs> no, Ed, our good friend Edgar is known for that. Um, but but this is the opportunity you get to form your team right off the get go. Okay, so just real quick, the way drafts work it, in most leagues, there's a thing called a snake draft, and in okay. our leagues, there's ten. There's yes, we take a snake. And we have to grab it out of a bucket of water and that, no. Uh, so the snake drafts are the first pick, you get the first selection, you go all the way down to 10 and then it loops back around. So if you have the 10 pick, you also have the 11 pick and that starts round two. And, and it you go back and, and it goes backwards. 
Yes. So some okay. people would say, I want the best overall player. I want the first pick. I want the best overall player. But then you're also going to get at the, at best, you can get the best player and the 20th best player, where right. if you're the 10 spot, you would get the 10 and 11. Right. right. So you kind of figure out where you're at and that makes it pretty darn even. So we do a snake draft in which you go one to 10, then 10 and 11, and then goes all the way back down through the entire draft. Gotcha. Okay. Now you just bounce back and forth that way. Then when you draft, do you, is it okay? We're all drafting quarterbacks. Nope. Or is there just a giant list and you just pick whatever you want? And like, if you're number one, you might pick the best quarterback. Number two might pick yep. the best running back. Da 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 da. You know, yep. or and it might be okay. Kickers just no one gives a shit until like three rounds into this, and then people start paying attention to that. Is that kind of how that goes? That you you are correct. Uh, now the are, kicker. The, was there the kicker notion part of this? <laughs> they were. We kicked them out. <laughs> they they were. But uh, for the most part, yes, you're correct. You get to pick and decide your team, and a lot of that comes down to your knowledge of supply and demand, and or how do you want to construct your team. So I'll give you a little basis on a couple of these positions and how that kind of works. But okay. for the most part, you go back and forth. Uh, how do we select uh, who gets pick one, pick 10, whatever like that? It's yeah. as simple as having a deck of playing cards. And this is the most okay. I use deck of playing cards for the entire year, Todd. So if you want to <laughs> pretend that's a game, that's fine. But essentially, you randomly pick. And if you're the ace, you get the one pick. You know, okay. if you get the 10, you get the 10. And a lot of times, you'll everybody flips at the same time. And if you want to make a trade with somebody on the card, you can go for it because you have a tactic. Like some people so want to be the first pick. So the know? trades start happening even before you pick people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You can easily, <laughs> if you feel that you want to, like some of the best teams are, you know, if you have a strategy and you say to yourself, you know what, I really don't care about having a top nine player, but I really like these two guys. I would rather have the 10 pick. You can get both of the guys you want, you know, so like you can figure that kind of stuff out on where you want to be. So, gotcha. so that all makes sense. And that'll yeah. happen the same. All right. How, I guess here's, here's my question. And maybe you'll get to this later. How does that play for a person who does not follow football and has like, so, so there's this like giant list. I mean, well, okay. Mm-hmm. Let me take it. Let me take a step even further back. I assume there's some sort of list that is somehow whittled down from here's every player in the NFL, right? Like there's some mm-hmm. sort of here's here's the here's a list of the top people sufficient for everyone who's playing this to get a team. Correct. Rather than just everybody like who where do those lists come from? Well, back in the day, you had to buy magazines. Nowadays, you can find anywhere the top 200 or whatever. So there's different lists and there's a million websites. So typically what we used to do is say, here's a general and we printed out ESPN's top 200. And then okay. you would go down and they're all, they might all be intertwined. And some of them might be segmented based off position, right? Okay. So with the invent of the computer system, it won't let you draft. We'll have limitations on how many people you can draft. You might only be able to draft three quarterbacks five wide receivers, whatever, so forth, right? You have to have minimums, meaning you have to draft X amount. And that allows us to make sure that we have valid rosters and or somebody just doesn't go through and draft all the kickers and then tell somebody, hey, you can't have a kicker now because I have them all. Like, which has happened in drafts before. Uh, Somebody that gives, you know, like just, you know, be cute. Um, Somebody's done stuff like that. So we have minimums and maximums based off that. And essentially someone that doesn't know anything about football will be handed a top 200. And if you just went down the list and just pick the position you want, you would have yourself a respectable team based off of expert suggestions. So it's, and there has been, 
So it's kind of like the way I used to fill out my uh, final four things is like, okay, yes. here's a bracket. The This team has, has a better record mm-hmm. than this team. They move forward. And that's like by the math that should work. Obviously reality doesn't work that way. And they're upsets by- and stuff, but you've got, as, you've got at least a good a chance of that working as you do, you know, than just like throwing a dart we, at the thing sort of a deal. We all okay. leave the draft with a similar feeling of our team. We still have, it's a 50% chance that we have, we can win it all. Right. <laughs> I mean, and at the right, end of the day, right. if you just go and I taught, I, there's many situations where I, you know, I wasn't, I was brand new to fantasy football. I did that exact same thing the first year and came in third place and won money. Like I, it, like I didn't know anything. I knew more about football than the next guy. There was no strategy. There was nothing. It was just a matter of supply and demand because you will get to a point on that top 200 where like you need a quarterback and you notice that, the, the, you know, like they're all going. So uh, you might have to pick the, the somebody that's way down on the list because you need a quarterback. And then, right. you know, and then you start realizing, oh, you know, I should have been a little bit more looking at the supply and demand early on to pick a quarterback earlier. Now I'm stuck with this guy way late, but I had to pick him, which means there's 20 guys that are probably better than him that should be on my team, but I had to do it. So right. it gets that's where, you know, the individuality of like the team structure that you have to build. So we are drafting, you know, we don't pick everybody in the NFL. Each NFL team probably has 55 players on the active roster. Last time I checked, it might be more. Who knows? Um, Out of those, we're picking skill positions. So pretty much any offensive lineman, punter, kicker, stuff we don't do. Um, And there's we can side chip episodes in the future if went to about why. Um, Okay. But you will get, for the most part, there's 32 starting quarterbacks in the league. You'll get a sheet, probably has like 30, 40 of them. Some people's backups. Right. right. So, and then you'll just go through and choose and, you, and on your list. And you know you have to choose three quarterbacks. So you just decide when you want to pick them. So I will give you a real overview, quick overview of historically how these positions work. Quarterbacks tend to score the most points. They um, touch the ball nearly every play. They have the most opportunities to score points. So quarterbacks... Um, are always going to be your highest scorer on your team historically, you know. You're, that makes sense. But the thing is, they all score points. So quarterback one and quarterback ten might be two points, three points difference. So okay. there are people that say, you know what, I'm going to go quarterback heavy. I'm going to get the two top quarterbacks, and they're just going to carry my team around. Um, and that is a strategy, and that's kind of stuff you have to look at. But for the most part, quarterbacks score a lot of points. The good quarterbacks score are are very consistent. Some bad quarterbacks can really go crazy with points, and but you just don't know when that's going to happen. So there's gotcha. strategies there. Running backs have been historically the best position in fantasy football. They are often drafted high. Running backs do not touch the ball nearly as much. Um, they maybe touch the ball 20 times if lucky in this day and age. Um, and there usually is a giant skills gap. <laughs> there is usually okay. a there's like 10 good running backs and then you drop off and it's difficult, you know, and they're kind of hard to predict sometimes. But usually the running backs that are good um, are way better than the ones lower down the line. And they typically okay. score running backs and wide receivers are typical. Um, are are in the, they score well. So and they rank well if you have somebody that's really talented and skilled. Right. Okay. So, so a lot of people typically will go running backs and wide receivers in the early rounds and get a lot of those and so forth before they start talking about quarterbacks in our leagues, you know, um, 
quarterbacks go a little higher and we can talk a little bit about roster, you know, weekly roster playing um, and why, but for the most part, running backs and wide receivers. So wide receivers get points for catching the ball. Running backs get points for running. Simply, we talked kind of how that works, but there are, there are a lot of running backs and wide receivers because unlike a quarterback where you really only got one on per team, most teams will have four wide receivers that play every single game and touch the ball. And most of them will have at least two running backs that touch the ball. So there's a lot more out there. So we draft more on our teams as well. Well, and, and in fantasy football, you get points on a per person basis. Like teams don't mean anything like the actual NFL teams mean nothing. nothing. It's individuals. So, so while, Quarterbacks have better opportunity to get points, like as individuals, because they're touching the ball all the time. Absolutely. By that same token, if you've got four, you know, running backs slash wide receivers on your team, individually, they're not getting as many points, but collectively, they're going to make points because there's, you know, a lot of the plays are going to involve one or the other of them sort of the deal. And that's where your balance comes in. Am I following that right? Kind of. So okay. what will happen, what will happen is you're picking your team, the weekly game. And as I said, we all have a 50% chance at the end of the draft. We still think we're good. Mm-hmm. The weekly game comes in when you select those players to be in a scorable position, starting lineup, they call it. Okay. So you're drafting your team each week. You will decide who gets to actually be, get you get credit for their points. And that's part of the game as well, because. Okay. So, so. So you figure out, okay, for this week, these are the guys who are in actual games doing actual things that I'm getting points for. So mm-hmm. you pick you, a quarterback out of your, you know, mm-hmm. maybe you have two yes. or three. You pick one. That one, whatever he does that week in, in real life games, gives you points. The other two quarterbacks, they Nothing. might do good. They might do bad. It doesn't matter. You're not getting points for those guys. Yep. Right? That is your, Okay. Yes. So the draft is simply roster construction that you look at your team and you say, all right, uh, so that's why you might pick, you have a starting quarterback and you might pick, and you know, he's really good. Let's say you number one pick, you pick the the best quarterback in the league. Okay. Late in the rounds, you might pick his backup because if he gets hurt, now you have his backup. That's going to play the rest of the games because okay. there are certain positions. You're like, I'm never going to bench him. Like the top five rounds, you know, you probably, these guys shouldn't ever hit the bench unless they're off for the week, which they have bye weeks and so forth. So right. for the most part, but when you get to the later rounds where it's just like, I'm just picking these guys, I don't know if they're good or not. You might have that decision each week to say, I don't know which one's better. Let me pick this person. So, okay. so when you draft your team, you're looking at getting diversifying your roster, so to speak, and setting yourself up for how you want to play the game. If you, in your situation, we can probably talk a little bit about this in uh, another episode, is from a brand new standpoint of somebody that doesn't follow football, won't be watching a ton of football, won't be probably checking news and this and that, you might create a roster that is more uh, consistent, steady. Like if we're playing the stock market, you're not going to be trying to day trade, you know, right, where right, someone right. like myself in the past, I did a lot of day trading because I could tell the ebbs and the flows. Right. So, um, so when you're creating your team, so we have quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers. There's another position called tight end, which is a glorified wide receiver, but they don't touch the ball nearly as much. Okay. Right? So we won't go into much detail on them, but it's the same situation. Um, uh, we also draft what, we, and this is where it gets really individualized and specific. We do not draft defenses as a whole. And we'll talk about that offline if need be. We don't draft kickers. And those are two things that are normal in normal standard leagues. You draft kickers and defenses, defenses as a whole, which confuses the whole shit. 
we instead draft individual defensive players. Okay. And we you and you kind of it's linebackers, defensive linemen, and secondary people in which they get points to, but they they on general cases they barely break you know double digits in points. Where a quarterback can get ten points on a single play sometimes, a good linebacker might get ten points the whole game. So they just don't matter as much. Okay. So when you look at that, you there are some of them that you know if one guy scores twenty points per game, and everybody else scores five or six then you might want to draft that one guy early because there's he's a unicorn um but for the most part we go through and you'll have a list of all the players and you'll have a list of your roster requirements and me you know and then you will go through and typically we hand out highlighters and you go through and you highlight the player as they're drafted and somebody writes it on the board in this case it'll go on an automatic you know it'll go on the the website and then that player is taken off the board so you know not to draft them you know, okay. and and it just goes back and forth until your entire team is filled and you've mi- filled all your roster. And in most cases, memory serves me correct, we do 25 rounds, which means you'll have a roster of 25 and you will have the minimums required and then you will not be able to go over maximums. Once again, we don't want somebody drafting every single quarterback in the league. Um, right. So nobody else has them. So like, for instance, you might only be able to draft three quarterbacks, which means in a 10 team league, there should be 30 of them, which still means there's two starters out there. Cause I think there's 32 teams in the NFL nowadays. Sure. Um, that sounds fair. That sounds right. Why not? We'll see the, you know, <laughs> it, when you don't watch it for three years, it turns out they got rid of a preseason game and added, added a game. And I didn't even know that happened. So COVID <laughs> changed a lot. Yeah. So that's the draft in general. And then when you leave, the draft is now your team. It goes in the system. And from that point on, you can then start trading with people, constructing your roster. If you really don't like a player on your team and you want somebody else's, you can start actually talking to people like, hey, I'll give you this guy for this guy and blah, blah, blah. And that becomes See, a weekly construction. Okay, because that's because I've, I've heard you talk about trades. And I'm like, well, if everybody has their team, like, I guess there's a part of me. It's like, why would you trade? Like, oh, if I have a, like if reasons. I have like if I have a crap player, I can see why I would want to trade him away. But I don't understand why somebody would want to take them and give up one of their players for it. But I guess supply, if demand, if you've got. Yeah, need, got, need. There's lots to it. There's lots to it. And I think that'll um, I would love to talk more about it, but I really have to talk about salsa right now. I really do think okay. salsa is a, an important part of any tortilla uh, nacho game. Right. Oh, yeah. No. What do you do? So you like you, the red so, salsa, or do you go for the green nonsense? Um, I, I mean, if you, I would take the red over green. I feel like green is just kind of um, plays mind games with me. I mean, like yeah. I feel it tastes the same, um, but I would always go red, and I do like a little bit of the chunk as you. So I'm confused on your situation. Essentially, if you were able to like strain, you just want the juice. Is I mean, like you just so, like dipping it in. Uh, what is that? A tomato juice, so, or so? So, so here's 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 the here's the background and story on this, right? So, for the longest time, I didn't do salsa at all because I don't like, like I'll, I like, I like pasta sauce, I like pizza sauce, I like ketchup, I don't like tomatoes, like the chunks of them. You know what I mean? Like I like when things are cooked with like onions or peppers because it imparts a little okay. bit of flavor, but I don't like eating actual onions or peppers. Um, and so, you know, I was hanging out at my friend's house in in high school and he had, you know, chips and salsa and I'm like, okay. Um, and so I just like, I don't want any of that chunky stuff, but I'll try a little bit of the, 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 the sauce to give it a little bit, a little bit of flavor. And so that's what I did. And I guess the other thing is, is I'm also a giant weenie when it comes to spiciness. Like if you're breaking out, if you're breaking out salsa, that's anything more, more 
stern than mild, I'm out. Like I can't do yeah, it. Yeah, no, I won't. So, I agree with you. So you do I the little you. Ver- you do you do the vertical dip and it just gets you basically just gets the chip wet. <laughs> um yeah. and that works for me. There was one point where I'm like, you know, let's try this. And I took, you know, a jar of, of regular salsa and threw it into a food processor and just pureed that stuff down. And that I could scoop up and find. It's the chunks. It's like the consistency, and I believe they call it mouthfeel, that I just don't get into for salsa. Okay. I, I, li- I like right. it, you know. Well, you know, that also smooth. makes a lot of sense why you would like the restaurant-quality chip, because their salsa, typically, the restaurant's quality ch- salsa is very liquid. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? No, that's, yeah. Like, like, almost entirely to the point where I'm like, yeah, this is nice. I'm just dipping it and so forth. But you almost have to, like – get a bowl it's almost like you want to make a pond on that oblong thing to get it for me to oh, yeah. to get that like feel of a natural like yeah a tour, you know a, a well, salsa in general and what what i'll do because the the one place we go to here locally like they they, they bring out like a bottle of salsa and everybody gets yes, their own little course. little little bowls mm-hmm, to, yes. to dip in that's everywhere I will, todd i don't know I how will, that that's standard well, you know okay. like i, I, don't I will know fill how that up works, a little bowl <laughs> And I will like line up the chips in the like I will stack them vertically in there and like let them soak. Oh, that's kind of gross. I can't um, handle that. So, so, that so, <laughs> so that it kind of infuses in. Um, I mean, I don't let them sit there all meal and get soggy, sure. but you no. kind of let them kind of you put like four of them in there, and then you just have a rotation going to where you take the one that's been in the longest and drop another one in, and you just sort of cycle through those. Oh, um, you are works out well. You are a madman. You are. I got a whole thing down. Is, Science. I, well, sounds like it. Um, I mean, I feel like you you triggered me a little bit. We'll have to one day just talk about uh, wet bread and how that's just not cool. Oh, except God. for yeah, but like I don't understand how. But it doesn't bother me so much with a uh, a cereal or or nacho chip. So it's weird. I would you know yeah. we'll have to dig into that at some point in time. Well, all right, uh, we we talked. I mean, I think we'll talk about maybe some cheese, some Doritos, and so forth on the next installment. But there's plenty have, of more yeah. chips. We have plenty of more chips, chips at all. Oh no, we have. There's That's so where I much. Think we should go next. There's, yeah. there's so much, so much to yeah. talk about. So but... we'll, we'll we'll pick that one up next time. This has been excellent chip talk, Eric. Thank you, mm-hmm. listeners. Let us know about your drafts and or chip choices. Until then, till next time. I hope y'all have a good one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Toddcast Podcast. If you have comments, questions, or topic ideas you'd like us to chat about, you can reach out on social. Search for Toddcast Podcast. Visit our website at toddcastpodcast.com with a single D in Todd. There you'll find show notes, original articles, and a backlog of episodes. If you'd enjoyed this episode, please feel free to share with your like-minded friends. Perhaps you would consider subscribing, following, or marking this podcast as a favorite if you've not yet done so. And of course, reviews and ratings on Apple Podcasts are appreciated. Thanks again for listening to the podcast.